Look, the saber-toothed tiger is live and well, and I'm trying to tell you right now, they've been pissed off the wrong quarterback. T-Law been to show the new rookie that his time is not yet. Trevor drops, looks, looks, fires back in the end zone, caught for the touchdown! Touchdown in the back of the end zone to Calvin Ridley and Jacksonville has taken the lead! How good is that? Under center is Trevor. Quarterback sneaky extended the ball into the end zone. Touchdown! A one-yard touchdown run by Trevor Lawrence. And Jacksonville extends the lead in NRG Stadium. Johnson puts it down. There's the kick. The 58-yard field goal is... It hits the crossbar. It is no good. It hit the crossbar and came back. The field goal is no good. And the Jags take over. It'll take a knee one time. Must win, baby. Came down to H-Town. Handle business. Duval. You, you battle for 60 minutes. We talk about this all week. And, and it seems like it comes down to this. You know. And listen, that's a good football team, man. That's a really good football team. Okay, You come on the road. You take care of business. We said last night in a team meeting, this is a blue-collar team. You just come to work, man. And it doesn't matter. Right when the plays come, you make them. And, and, and look, it, it's what I, what I hear. It's 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 gritty, not pretty. It doesn't have. Okay. Get back on this plane. Let's get ready to go. Ready? One, two, three. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and. Dylan Denmark. All right, everybody. It is a check the tape Tuesday victory edition. We love those. Jags eight and three. Jeff Logman here in studio. Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. Uh, Logs. First off, uh, people were inquiring about your absence on the broadcast. Yeah. It was uh, mentioned a, a family medical situation. Um, what are you wanting to tell us about? Uh, just uh, you know, my mom had some issues, and and things are doing well. Good, you know, Good. but uh, you got to take care of the family. Well, and and for apologies to the people who asked about it, I didn't feel it was you know my place to say anything yeah. one way or the other. So yeah, uh, that's right. Gl- good to hear that uh, mom's doing better. Yeah, so. she's doing she's doing much better, and uh, you know, knocking on right on, bro. Hey, look, I <laughs> totally get you, right? You, you know, it's kind of out of our hands to a large degree. There, yes, uh, it is. Tony feeling. Probably pretty good this morning, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Didn't didn't have to sweat last night a whole no, lot. No, it was that game pretty went. early on. Josh Dobbs was not ready. Let, let's be honest. He didn't look so good. No. That, that that ball to Addison was a completion a thousand percent on the very Absolutely. first play. Like, how did they miss that? Yeah. Right? He yeah. juggled it, then got like both arms underneath the ball and mm-hmm. caught it, and they ruled it incomplete. And yeah. Minnesota didn't challenge, and that needed was, a couple plays to get the first interception. Of the night. Uh, and, and, and then we're off the and rolling. Drive that yeah. was about as exciting as it got for Minnesota. The, that, last the, night. the Josh Dobbs that I saw last night is the one that I watched in practice what, what, when he was here. How yeah. does he like? He, he's gone and taken over offenses. I mean, he showed up in Tennessee last year, and within two weeks, he's starting and. Nearly winning the division, yeah. right, in week 17, week 18. Uh, he goes to Arizona on the eve of the season, basically, and makes them got, a lot more competitive. Tra- traded, right? Uh, he got traded to, to Arizona. Arizona. Right. He got traded to Arizona. They were much more competitive than anybody thought. And then he goes to Minnesota where he wasn't going to play. And then the rookie gets hurt, right, after Kirk Cousins got hurt. Was it uh, Jared Hall? Is that his name? It's Hall, yeah. Okay. 
He gets hurt. Dobbs comes in. Never good when you're trying to figure out names of quarterbacks. Well, they rip off like four or five <laughs> wins in a row, and and then last night it's like he's a completely different person, yeah. and, and it's it's weird. Like whenever he arrives somewhere, he has this initial burst of success. It appears, you know. And well, first of all, he's highly intelligent, and I think that's one of the reasons why that he can show up at a new place and assimilate the system pretty quick and actually function in a very short period of time. Whereas a lot of quarterbacks, they just you know, they can't do that. It takes time to learn. It takes time to feel a part of the system, and, and he's unique in that way. Now, uh, look, I think every quarterback can have a bad day. Maybe that was his bad day. Maybe. You know, but uh, uh, there's also a reason why he spent time at so many different places. You know, because many people believe that he's not a franchise answer. And uh, But, uh, again, for a guy that you need in a pinch and to get ready in a short period of time, I don't know if you'd rather have anybody else as a backup in that situation where injury, need a guy off the street, just him to play water. this week. Go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll take him any day of the yeah. week. Uh, so, hey, that you know, that's what's going on up there. Uh, Minnesota uh, falls last night, and, uh, you know, the, the playoff picture. I had to turn it off. In the, it was, I, I didn't have that luxury. I'm on the air on Monday nights. I've got to watch it and talk about it. And, and I had to turn it off. Imagine trying to find some fantasy relevance in that game last night. Like, thank DJ God. Moore, DJ that's about Moore, it. No, TJ Hawkinson, yeah. and in the end, he, yeah. he, he made his presence felt. But for most of the game, it was, uh, it was pretty ugly. Uh, should mention, and so let's mention, uh, congrats to Fred Taylor mm-hmm. and Tory Holt, by the way, who spent a year here in Jacksonville for being named semifinalists to the Pro Football Hall of Fame today. And it's a really strong list. It, it is a strong list. Really but strong hey, list. You know what? Uh, I'm I'm partial. And, uh, Me too. Let's do the right thing. Let's get Freddie T in there. I, look, I love Tory. Tory's a good friend of mine, and uh, I hope he gets in. And I have no doubt he will one day. He's been more consistently, you know, he's advanced to the finals mm-hmm. stage. Fred hasn't gotten there yet, but I'd like to see both of these guys advance. Uh, but. Yeah, there's, it's one of those years where, you know, a few of the spots are going to be taken right off the bat. Yeah, there's there's a couple guys on that list that you just go, that's not even a question well, as you to got, whether they deserve to be in. You got Dwight Freeney in there. Given. Right. Um, Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers. Given. Uh, Antonio Gates. Uh, given. I, I'm, you know, and those are three right there. Then some of the other guys who return – uh, as semifinalists from last year, Jared Allen, Andre Johnson, Devin Hester, uh, Patrick Willis, Willie Anderson, Darren Woodson, and a, some several new guys as well. Uh, in yeah, the mix, Jared so. Allen, if you look at his numbers, I mean, I mean, he he deserves to go. I'm not arguing with you. You know, uh, heck, here's the thing: go look at Ricky Waters' numbers. He's a semifinalist. They're amazing. Yeah. Right? They are absolutely amazing. Dual threat runner and uh, receiver. Yeah, receiver. You know, if he um, played in today's game, he would be even more amazing than what he what he was when he was playing right. back then. Absolutely, and uh, you know, people remember him negatively sometimes for one alligator armed, you know, business decision. You remember that one? They throw over the middle, and he yeah, kind of good. He shrunk right, and it happens. And it's like I got to tell you, Ricky Waters, out of all the many people we've interviewed, Tony and I over the years covering about 15 Super Bowls, right? Top five best guys that I've come across. Amazing, yeah. amazing guy. Uh, runs great charity. Uh, he's got an amazing family Where's story. he at now? Uh, boy, I, I don't know where he's yeah, based yeah. out of. You yeah. know, I, I really don't know. I mean, he play, you know, you wonder because he played in Philly, Philly. He played in Seattle. Yeah. He played for a number of teams. And 
uh, had a lot of success, but just a, uh, an amazing. He had a he had an infant uh, child die. I think it might have been stillborn, and created a whole foundation around him and uh, this whole thing. Good dude, man. Just really good dude. Anyway, uh, you know, it's tough field is the bottom line, mm-hmm. and uh, we want our guys to get in though more than anything. So, all right, uh, logs, uh, Jags win once again, big one against the Houston Texans. We always like to start off with your look back at Trevor Lawrence. So what did the film show you this week? Uh, I thought he played really well. And his numbers, first of all, were okay. But if you factored in the number of drops Mm. that he had in that game, his numbers would have been arguably the best he's ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, What, the 364, I think it was the second Second highest that he's ever told. Yeah, one more completion would have got him there. But his yards per attempt was a career high. And the other thing that was of note about this game, Trevor Lawrence now has, for the first time ever, a winning record in the AFC South. He's never had that, you know, because he started out, obviously, Mm -hmm. with the throwaway year and started out with a couple losses, and so it's been an uphill climb ever since. And so now his divisional record is 9-8. and And that's a real positive thing for me, uh, for Trevor, because – He's kind of been climbing out of that hole, and uh, but his, I thought he was efficient. I thought he had uh, very good pocket presence. Uh, there was nothing bad, I think, about that game. There might have been one time where he could have ran the ball on a decision there, mm-hmm. but uh, but for the most part, I mean, that was that was a franchise quarterback performance. No doubt, and we heard a couple weeks ago, Coach Peterson went to the podium and talked about they need to get that more vertical threat in the offense, right? Take more shots downfield. And it feels like the last couple weeks they've been more willing to do that. What is happening with the offense right now that they're opening up the downfield options at least within games that we didn't see through the first eight, nine games? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think at one, I think they're they're calling some things to allow that to happen. But then also the quarterback is seeing it better. And uh, when you put those two together, then you know, you're going to have a little bit more opportunities down the field. But, I mean, again, that's that's two weeks in a row to where they've been pushing it down the field, and they need to keep it that way. And, you know, a lot of people point to Zay, and he's the reason why. I mean, he definitely helps, but he's not the only reason why. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of it is, is that Trevor's got to see it. And there were some games earlier this year where uh, he didn't see some things down the field, and there were some opportunities, and there were some games also to where – it was called in a very horizontal fashion, but uh, but it's good. I mean, it's good to have. It's good to see because right now, uh, if you don't make defenses defend the entire field by having a vertical element, you're 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 really not. You're never going to be able to reach your potential if you don't end up trying to attack all parts of the field. And that was really good to see from an offensive standpoint. All right. Well, uh, Jags win, so we got a lot of uh, positivity to look at today, and uh, you know we'll go through the good and the bad. Yeah, the and performance. Just, just one other note. I mean, uh-huh. for Trevor, the performance that he had really without a running game to speak of. Right. I mean, running game was like, no, come on. I mean, we got to be a little bit better than that. But I mean, for him to have that kind of performance in a game to where he was pretty much shouldering the load on offense makes it even more impressive to me. All right. Uh, if you want to get in, Jeff Logman today and uh, talk about how impressive or concerning some of the performances were for you as we're breaking down the film through Jeff's eyes today, 641-1010. We'll get you in on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Also, 
That same number will work for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. So a lot of questions coming in already on the offensive line. And we know Cam Robinson going on injured reserve. So uh, we heard Ian Rappaport say three to six weeks. Hopefully Cam will be available for the Jags for the postseason, which they are marching towards uh, over 90% likelihood to make that postseason this year. And I think over 90% likelihood to win the division by some uh, Mm -hmm. uh, calculations out there as well. So we love to see that hit us up in the YouTube chat today if you'd like, or as always on social media at MD underscore 1010 XL at 1010 XL Fat Tony at Logs 56 and at 1010 XL Denmark. Hold my pocket. Pockets, you got enough layers on today? I got enough. All right. All got right. about two or three. We're going to stick a peg in the ground at about 130 today, and it's uh, with a uh, blustery high of 56. Out there today, so good number. That's a uh, really good number. Hey, well, that, I've been told only the best number. Uh, quite frankly, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and um, you know, if you could watch my SiriusXM show, if you saw, like, we have a Zoom that we all communicate because my co-host is in one city, our producers are in another city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would see that fifty-six displayed in my broadcast room nice. on a Jeff nice. Logan, Jersey, a gr- green and white one from back in the day. It happens to be a green and white one right. from back in the day. So. Uh, you don't get to – I don't invite them into the inner sanctum, though. They don't get to see mm-hmm. that. But if they did, I promise you, it is there. All right? Uh, we had a Bills uh, – a guy on last night who's a Bills fan. He was talking about uh, whatever, this or that. Uh, he goes, yeah. And he had some stuff behind him. He had, like, an Andre Reid jersey and whatever. And I got this, whatever. And I pointed – up behind me, I said, I got that flag when the Jaguars kicked Buffalo's ass this year. <laughs> I'm just that guy, man. I, I don't mind being an offender. I it's, really uh, don't. It's, it's cool that you bring up um, the uh, Andre Reid. In fact, I had a, a just odd, it just popped into my mind. I had a conversation um, two weeks ago because Rob Moore, if you remember, Mike, Rob Moore was sure, a supplemental first-round draft pick Absolutely. of the New York Jets, and yeah. he's now currently – the wide receivers coach for the Tennessee Titans. Super guy. I mean, super nice guy. And, and I haven't seen Rob in years. Always tried to kind of catch up with him. I mean, I knew that he was in coaching and for whatever reason before the game hasn't been able to meet up with him. I finally caught up with him before the game, and it was me and Rob and, and Bernie Parmalee. And the topic of Andre Reid actually came up because he was, you know, we were catching up saying, hey, if you talk to so-and-so, mm-hmm. all my old teammates that, uh, that we played with, and James Hasty was one of the guys that he brought up. And James Hasty wore number 40 for the New York Jets, and he's one of the best cornerbacks that I've ever played with. And not only is he one of the best cornerbacks, he was one of the strongest cornerbacks. Yeah, I he ever was a with. big physical I mean, dude. I'm, yes. Yeah, you, I mean, big physical dude. And yeah. in the weight room, he worked out with us. I mean, he was uh, a defensive back cornerback that was bench pressing 405 and mm. repping it. And I was like, holy cow, how the hell does this guy do that? But when we used to play Buffalo, we would play a coverage. It was a 2E. And the E represented James Hasty would play Andre Reed and man, and we would play a zone shell. Okay. And then Hasty was playing Andre Reed and like man. Like a box in one in basketball. I mean, yeah. it was and, – and we would – actually, we – James would shut him down, which Andre Reed is – I mean, a great player. Yeah. And back then, I mean, he was almost damn near unstoppable. But James Hasty was a guy that covered a man. Anyway, just popped into my mind there when you brought up. There you go, Andre Reid. Memory lane. Yeah, it's it's cool to share stories like that because you know the the NFL is is full of of former players that are in coaching, and uh, and it's always good to kind of bring up a name like that because it it, it jogs good memories. I think in a lot of people's brain, Rob Moore. Was, 
fantastic player in the National Football League. Big and, uh, time. The only disappointing thing for, for me when I was in New York, when we drafted Rob, we had Al Toon. And Al Toon was, I mean, I mean, you're talking Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. I mean, excellent guy. Well, excellent they, he player. better have been. They took him ahead of Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Al, we thought it was going to be Al and Rob, you know, but then Al ended up having a, some concussion issues yep. and then left the game, and we never got to see the magic of those two playing on the field at the same time uh, very much. So that was disappointing. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I absolutely uh, love the walks down memory lane, man. That's one of the great joys we have with having so many – Former NFL players, part of the 1010XL family. So take advantage today with Jeff Lagerman. We'll focus more on the current day situation with your Jacksonville Jaguars coming off another win. This one, 24-21 over the Houston Texans. First place in the AFC South. So let's enjoy a Check the Tape Tuesday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and Dylan Denmark right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, we continue along a Check the Tape Tuesday, welcome into all of you out there in Radio Land as the Jaguars are in their rightful place, first place in the AFC South. Get used to it. Back girl. on top. Yep. Back on top. Well, they were on top. It's mm-hmm. solidifying mm-hmm. their hold, their grasp at the top of the division right now. And um, Houston fans can be excited that they're this close to being in the playoffs right now. Just so <laughs> close, so close, Texan fans, right? Uh, but you're looking up at the Colts. At the moment. All right. If you want to get in with Jeff Logman, if you have questions, comments, concerns about your Jacksonville Jaguars, 641-1010. We'll get you in on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. So let's begin there this morning, Logs, uh, with Frank in San Marco batting leadoff. What's up, Frank? How are you? Hey, I'm good. Enjoy the show. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Wonderful. Good. What's up, buddy? Great. Big fan of uh, Jeff from the late 90s. I bought season tickets before the 95 uh, season, figuring I'd just get the money back because the team would go somewhere else. But I was thrilled when we got the team, and I remember cheering Jeff on for years. Well, I appreciate that, Frank. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about what Trevor said after the game because I think it's real relevant. They're going to make the playoffs, I think, for sure. But I'm worried about that uh, fourth-quarter performance and being able to put the other team away on offense and not depend on the defense to win the game. Because I think if that was Stroud is great, but if it was Mahomes or Hurts on that final drive, I'm, I'm not so optimistic that we would be able to hold them. So I'd like to just listen to what you guys think about finishing the game on offense instead of depending on the defense. All right. Thank you, Frank. Well, I think it's a great observation and that uh, if you're going to be that team, you got to put a team away mm-hmm. and, uh, when you're in that situation, it's essentially called a four-minute offense. And what's the one thing that you always want to do with a four-minute offense? Run the ball. Run the ball. And you got to run it when they know you're going to run it. And you got to run it when they're going to have a stacked box. And that's not easy to do. And right now, the the physical part of running the football right now for the Jaguars offensively has been a bit of a struggle. You could look at some of their third and fourth and short opportunities that they've had this year, and they're still down around the bottom of the league. And uh, when you get 
Um, what, first and goal at the one, and then you fail to get in, and the first time you run it and you get stuffed for a loss, I mean, that's kind of part of it, – it's all, all kind of together in that category of you've got to find a way to get more physical and to be able to finish games and to be able to win games by running the football. How do you do that, though? You're, you're not going to change your personnel at this stage. I mean, well, now you, you did a little bit this past game. Well, you had to, right? Yeah, with but, the uh, injury. Right, so – but. At this point, I mean, you would presume Little and Ezra Cleveland, that's your left side of the offensive line. You know who your linemen are, yeah. right? So do you use maybe Dearness Johnson a little bit more as more of a battering ram type, or 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 what do you do? Well, I think it's a mindset, number one. And uh, and I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and that, you know, we kind of, kind of compared it to the Indianapolis Colts when they went on their Super Bowl run and they couldn't stop the run, but they found a way to, to be able to stop the run. And that's not, not something – that you would think that could be changed easily in midseason, much like can you run the ball, you know, towards the end of the season? And we all know that once you get towards the end of the season, you got to be able to run the ball. You got inclement weather, and uh, and you got to be able to have all the tools in your arsenal if you're going to be able to win games in different ways. And I believe that the Jaguars in this past game just added their most physical offensive lineman to the game, and that's Ezra Cleveland. Uh, I, I thought he had a very good performance. I thought he was the most physical offensive lineman on the field. And uh, and it was encouraging to watch. And I was showing Tony and I was showing E, and, and it's a play in which Ezra Cleveland ends up just literally destroying a linebacker on a little zone play, and he pancakes him. And then you go and you think about the screen to Dernis Johnson with Ezra Cleveland down the field blocking two guys mm-hmm. to finish that. You know, so – I think that will help is having him on the field and that will elevate the play. Fortner's got to play more physical. Sheriff is, I think is very solid, but I think he can be more physical. And also I think Anton Harrison can be more physical. So I I think that if everybody just takes a little step up in that department, then I think that this offensive line can be good enough to achieve what they want to achieve here down the stretch. You're talking about, you know, getting stuffed on the first and goal. You're talking about the one where Trevor eventually threw the touchdown to Calvin Ridley, I right. believe, right? But you could also look at it first and goal at the end of the first half, right? You're sitting there from one foot away, mm-hmm. logs. You know you're not good in short yardage. Okay, we're going to run it. We're going to pitch it wide to Travis Etienne. A, your thought on the decision to go for it. I know that Doug Peterson – wants to go for it every time. But if Jeff Logman was coaching the team, would you have taken the three? And if not, your thought on the play call once they made the decision to go for it? Uh, I like the decision to go for it okay. there. Um, was I a fan of, of the toss play? No, because it didn't work. <laughs> That's I said that yesterday. It's kind of like that that play, the whole thing, the decision, everything. If it works, then I like it's it. good. If it doesn't, you know – and it worked out, and the Jags won the game, so it didn't, you know, in the end hurt them. But, yeah. you know, if that field goal is three inches longer and they lose in overtime, that's right. you know, you just, ah, I, I don't know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing to live in the hypothetical world a little bit there. Well, but that's sports radio, man. You know, yeah, there's no, no, I, I there's no drawback I, here. I get it, but the, uh, the simple fact of the matter is, is that this offense needs to find a little physicality when they need it. Yep. And uh, I think that, that that play call, I think, is a perfect um, sign of, of where they're at. Yeah. You know, and that they, they don't have the confidence they can punch it up in there from the one or 
you know, or anything of that nature. So um, hopefully they can find a little bit more of a physical front here with the remainder of what the season is. It's the advantage that the Eagles have over so many teams in the league right now, not necessarily the half yard. They know they can get the half yard, mm-hmm. right? With the tush push, they know that's not going to be an issue for them. But it's that every crucial, crucial situation down in that part of the field, there is no question the play is through Jalen Hurts. Right, That's the play. The play is what are we going to let Jalen do on this play to make that play for us? I think at some point, given the issues they have with that short yardage running and those kind of things, at some point they're going to look at it and say, Trevor Lawrence is our best answer to any of this right now. And Whether that be moving the pocket, doing whatever you have to do, letting him have the option to run because he may be their most effective runner in that kind of situation at some point as well. You keep trying stuff because it's better if you can hand it off and get the yard. But at some point when it's crunch time, I think the ball is going to have to stay in Trevor Lawrence's hand and let him make the play. Yeah, and the thing of, and that's obviously right now that's the best avenue that they have. Mm-hmm. But you still have to be, what's the right word, unpredictable. I'm with you. You know, so you yeah. you got to be able to have other options besides just. Trevor, because then if it's just Trevor, then it becomes, okay, this every defense is now going to be thinking Trevor, 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 Trevor. You know, so uh, I hope that they can gain a little bit more of a physical element. I think it's possible. Uh, and again, if, if, you know, with Ezra, I think that's going to help. I think Walker Little is, uh, is going to be just fine at left tackle, and, and I think he does a really good job in the run blocking department. And we got to get Fortner. Got he's got to get a little bit, a little bit stronger. Little, now, when I say stronger, I'm not talking about he needs to go hit the weight room this week. I'm talking about he needs to play stronger. He needs to play with more bend. He needs to play with a pad level that's a little bit lower. And I think Sheriff too. I think Sheriff has the can play a little bit more physical than what he's done. And I think Anton Harrison. You know, the one part about Anton Harrison I always liked watching his college film is that dude finished. And I'm talking, he kind of had a little bit of nastiness to him. And uh, he needs to regain a little bit of that. And this offensive line, look, it, it's playing good, you know, because they're winning and the, and the style of play that they're, that they're executing, it's good for them. But they've got to find another level themselves because if they do, then I think this offense will be able to find a level and this team finds another level. All right, let's get back to the lines here. Uh, got a lot of them coming in this morning. Nick in Riverside, you're next on Jaguars today. Go ahead, Nick. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, the previous caller, uh, I guess, had a similar point to what I had. And watching Trevor Lawrence, I, I didn't think it was a bad game, but I, I think, especially the, the Stroud compared to him, it seems like Stroud, his first year in the league, he wasn't, he seemed almost more of a finished product than Trevor Lawrence. I think two throws that I remember from the game. Uh, Evan Ingram at one point was like wide open and then uh, Trevor Lawrence, his throw kind of sailed on him. Uh, And then there was another throw to Calvin Ridley that Lawrence made the throw, but it was a real tight, like could have been intercepted type throw. So I wouldn't say at all that Lawrence had a bad game, but it seemed like Stroud, he's almost more of a finished product. And then personnel wise, I would say the Jaguars, have a better personnel than the Texans. So I guess somewhat similar point, but maybe do you guys agree 
that uh, Lawrence and Stroud, my point that Stroud is more of a finished product. And then um, uh, I guess why is that the case or what Lawrence is feeling? Is this as far as he's going to go? Um, All right, Nick. Thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> poor Trevor, Jeff. Uh, how can we ever compete with C.J. Stroud uh, with only Trevor Lawrence? I, I It got a little absurd there at the end. Um, uh, for, first off, uh, to say that you didn't think that Trevor's performance was that bad. I mean, okay, 23 of 38, and he had – and correct me if I'm wrong. I counted Evan had a drop, ETN had a drop, Kirk had a drop, Ridley had a drop. Yep. That's Sounds Four. right. Yeah. Okay, am I missing any? Would have been around like 430 yards uh, if they just caught him. Yeah, they just caught the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so uh, no, so he didn't have a bad like, day. That would have yeah. been 27 of 38 for 400 and change. Okay? Yeah. Career high. And Trevor wasn't that. It wasn't that that bad. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, look. Yeah. It, it is possible that more than one player is good. Yeah. Right. It's C.J. Stroud's good. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence Very is good. good. I mean, fine. You know, what do you want? What do you want to do? Start over at quarterback? I mean, honestly, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, good for the Texans. I, I mean, I'm not happy about it, but no. C.J. Stroud looks fantastic coming I, out of the gates. What can you say? I'm I'm actually happy because this is going to create. I'm talking a decade of competition with two high level quarterbacks. And doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I'd love to be able to say, well, you know, we're the only team in the division that has a really good quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having it like the Patriots had with Brady yeah, for a 15 years. I wouldn't years. have a problem with that. But also, I think the excitement level of having another, which by all appearances, I mean, another franchise quarterback in the division for these two guys to compete for the next decade or more, I mean, pfft. I'll take that any day of the week just from an excitement level. All right, let's go to Joe in Ponte Vedra Beach uh, up next. Uh, good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. So this time of year as we get to the last quarter of the season and into the playoffs, this is when you start to see some of those players step up and go to the next level. Example, Isaiah Likely filling in for Andrews or she Rice from Kansas City. As you look at the tape, who do we have on both sides of the balls that you look at as just poised to really kind of make that next step to the next level to help us push through the playoffs, uh, through the regular season and into the playoffs? That's a, it's a great question. And uh, offensively, I think you are what you are. You know, I, I, The only one that's really is a fresh new face is going to be Ezra Cleveland. And can he help? I think he will help. But as far as the skill position players, um, I think that Brenton Strange can can do more, but it's not going to be a Rasheed Rice yeah. level of contribution. It's not be an, a, a, Maybe a, it's the last two weeks from Calvin Ridley, right? Like, if you get that over the, the whole back half of the season, then yeah. Well, yeah you're expecting okay. that from Calvin yeah. Ridley. Right. Isaiah likely is only going to make an impact because Mark Andrews is out for the year, yeah. right? And, and maybe we'd look at Brenton Strange and go, well, can he be that for us? If he's thrust into a larger role, yeah, Rashid like, Rice has to be that for Kansas. He's been State. in the lineup all year, they, and they don't have yeah. anybody else at wide receiver that's doing anything oh, he's, for he's them. He's clearly the most dynamic, right? Uh, Justin Watson's had had his moments recently, but yes, right. And so, like, we don't need that. Like, we've got Ridley and Kirk and Zay Jones, and we we're, our front line receivers are much better than what Kansas City has. Well, I still think that there's a another level that this wide receiver group slash 
Trevor Lawrence chemistry can achieve. Not mm-hmm. not arguing that. I just think that, to think that you know there's like a hidden Tim Jones or Elijah Cook yeah, impact. No. I mean, it, they're not going to. You've got your front line guys. Now, you know who they are. Two years from now, ask me about Elijah Cooks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right, and that may be the case. Yeah. You know, um, is there anybody defensively that uh, you think is primed to play a well, larger I mean, role I, down I the stretch? I hope that Trayvon can raise his level of mm-hmm. play. Seems you to know? be coming on a little bit. Yeah, he's he's doing okay, but it's not it's not where you want it. Mm-hmm. You know, where you would like to see it. But um, you know, if he can kind of get close to being as impactful as Josh, then that would be incredibly great for this football team. But it's a fine question. I just, my point being, like, if Kansas City had Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Zay Jones, there wouldn't be any impact being seen from Rishi Rice right no. now. No, and uh, the, the, well, the one caller there that uh, was talking about Stroud and, and Trevor Lawrence, and he was talking about Trevor has better weapons, uh, that's debatable. I mean, there's there's a lot of I think if you asked some general managers around this this league and said, okay, you get your choice. Nico Collins, Tank Dell versus, versus Ridley and Kirk at the top. Yeah. I think there would be a mixed bag of of opinions on that because Dell and Nico Collins and then No Brown. I mean, I I do think overall the weapons are better for the Jaguars. Yeah, I think you so. Know? But the 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 speed element of what Houston has is scary. That that's the one category that I would say advantage Texans is just Tank Dell and Nico Collins' ability to get deep is better than that of the Jaguars wide receiver group. Uh, okay, uh, but I would say that Evan Ingram is much more of a field stretcher sure. at tight end than sure. Dalton Schultz sure. is, and you know, and Travis Etienne's got plenty of breakaway speed mm-hmm. as well, and uh, you know, Singletary's quick. Anyway, um, good question. Appreciate it, Joe. Uh, For the rest of you on the line, stay right there, and we'll get to your calls coming out of the break here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Jeff Lagerman is in studio with us. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, Check the Tape Tuesday continues here. Jeff Logman in studio here with us. Uh, the phone lines are loaded, so let's not belabor it. Let's get right back out to you and find out what your questions are for Jeff. Jaguars related. Let's go to Bob in Lake City. What's up, Bob? Hey, guys. How you doing? Wonderful. How are yeah, you? Enjoy the program every day. Thank you. Hey, uh, especially on uh, Check the Tape Tuesday. No doubt. Um, what about the Philadelphia scrum on a goal line situation? I mean, um, a scrum is a powerful thing. I played rugby in college, and, um, you know, if you get the right bodies in there, you can really move people forward. I've, uh, been, I've been corrected so many times by this, and I keep calling it a scrum, too. It's it's not a rugby scrum, is it? It's called, it's actually called something else. In rugby? No. It's, uh, what do you, what do there's, you, there's a different name for it, though. In, in rugby, you're saying yeah, there's a different it's, name uh, for it. Yeah. Australian rules football or I've rugby. always thought it's it was a, a scrum. It's a, yeah, there's a actually it's a different term. But anyway, the the first thing you have to have to do the brotherly shove is the center, and Jason Kelsey is one of the best, arguably maybe to ever do something like this, um, to be able to snap the ball low center of gravity and then to get movement after that. That's a rare trait. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, can Fortner do that? Uh, I don't think he can right now. You know, I mean, it takes it takes a guy that that 
pretty special to do that. Yeah. Most teams are pretty successful in the league on third and fourth and one, right? It's not an exception that Philadelphia is successful on fourth and one. It's at the level that they're successful. And fourth and one is actually a gain of three and four virtually every time they run that play. It's it's incredible how efficient they are running that play. We have seen when other the opponent teams, knows it. Right. Other teams have tried to run that kind of play. They can't do it. You know, the way one, one other team is it. starting to have some success. You know who that is? It's Arizona. And they're doing bit. it by putting Clayton Toon, their backup quarterback, yep. in because, you know, Kyler's tiny. You right. know, and so that's part of it, too. You're exposing your quarterback to a lot of, uh, a lot of pressures, a lot of forces right. in there. And, you know, it's been, uh, we all know. Jalen Hurts can squat 600 pounds because yeah. we've heard it a billion times since this whole yeah. tush-push thing like started. Like you saw it this week with Buffalo. They got in a third-and-one situation, and you know what's coming. Like, Buffalo knows what's coming, and I think the defensive linemen were so frustrated by knowing what was about to happen to them. They jumped. Yeah. Five guys jumped, and it's just give them the five yards. Let's not yeah. have to deal with it. Like, it's it's crazy how successful they yeah, are if, if you're play. If you're going to look at other teams that could possibly do that, I mean, you got to look at, first of all, the center position and the quality of the center. Um, Kansas City's got a really good center, and then Baltimore's got a really good center that might be able to do something like that, but you got to have the center to do that. If you don't have the center, you're just wasting time trying it. Bob, we appreciate the call. Let's uh, go to our friend Regina in Mandarin next on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Good morning, Regina. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to say I missed Jeff commenting. On Sunday, I hope his mom stays in good health. Thank you. And you're welcome. And I'm what the comment and sort of question I have for Jeff. How impressive was it that Trevor regained his composure after the no hold call interception? He came right back and smacked those Texans. And I'll take my answer off the air. Yeah. First of all, uh, how how do you miss that? How do you miss that call? Yeah. I mean, it's in the wide open. It's where the ball is it's thrown It's where the ball, to. right. All, everyone's eyes are going to yes. that. Um, that's unforgivable um, in, in my mind. And if the league doesn't have some kind of reaction to the official who's supposed to make that call, shame on them. Um, but I thought Trevor did a good job of bouncing back from it. And the good thing is, is that uh, – he wasn't the only one that was frustrated by the non-call. And I think when you have a group of guys, which, you know, Evan and Trevor and you know everybody else that are upset by not getting that call, okay, it's, it's time to move on. But Trevor did a good job uh, of moving on. Um, Trevor's, I think, had a really good focus the last couple of weeks. And I think this past game, the amount of conversation about C.J. Stroud, although you wouldn't know it from listening to him or talking to him, I mean, I'm sure that that motivates him, you know, because here he is, you know, good player and good football team. What do I have to do? All the conversation seems to be about C.J. Stroud, and I don't think Trevor's one who craves or needs the attention. But, I mean, I I would kind of be a little irritated by it just because it's my team not getting the attention. You know, but I'll be – just to play devil's advocate, you know, here in Jacksonville, obviously we feel – how we feel about Trevor Lawrence, right? But I get it nationally when you look at – we were so jacked up about Trevor's second half of the season last year, and C.J. Stroud basically matched those numbers in his first nine games mm-hmm. as a pro. You know, so – and you look at that, and you're like, wow, this guy's just hit the ground running. 
taken over a terrible team that earned the second pick in the draft. So, yeah. you know, you just look and, and I, I don't I don't begrudge anybody in the national media going, wow, this guy's way more advanced no. than most guys who came into the league mm-hmm. were. Not at all. And I, I don't either. But I think if you're and I don't begrudge Trevor for trying to put the reminder out there about I'm remember who I am. Absolutely. And remember who we are. Yeah. Sure. I, absolutely. And I think that that's 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 good. That's competitive fire. And uh, and I like it. And uh, and you could you could I don't you could kind of feel a s- sense of relief listening to Trevor talk post game. Um, excitement, relief, um, proud of his team because look that that that's a tough environment. And that was one loud place. I mean, holy cow, was it loud? I mean, there were multiple times in the broadcast of the game uh, for me watching it on television because I wasn't there to where I'm sitting there going. How do they even try to have a conversation? I mean, because, you know, even the broadcasters that were talking, I mean, mm-hmm. it was hard to hear them. I mean, that place was rocking. So credit Trevor and the offense and, and the football team for, for really having a really strong performance in, in a hostile environment. And because, you know, here's the thing. When, when Houston's at home and wearing battle red, they don't lose many games. Jags are on the road. They don't lose any. At least this year. <laughs> Not so this year. Uh, let's go to Patrick in Clay County next up on uh, Check the Tape Tuesday. Good morning, Patrick. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing today? Excellent. What's up? Yeah, um, I have to disagree with that caller. That was two, call, uh, two calls ago. He pretty much was insinuating that Trevor didn't play well. Um, I don't think there's been anyone that's played pretty much better than Trevor the last two weeks. He's generated over 650 yards of offense, six total touchdowns, and only one turnover. Um other than walking on water, I'm not sure what else he could possibly do better. And <laughs> That's it, a great it, line. And it brings me, and it brings me to my point. I want to ask Jeff this. One thing I've noticed about Trevor, he seems to save his best stuff for the second half of the of the season, and he seems to be a gamer. And you know, there's this like national narrative that Trevor's not a franchise quarterback; he's a game manager. I'm, I've been a Jaguar fan my entire life. I know bad quarterback play. This guy here is a great quarterback. And he's a gamer, and he saves his best stuff for the biggest moments. And um, I want to know, Jeff, if you agree with that. And I'll take the comments up here. Well, I hope he's saving his best moments for the biggest games because that means that he's just going to continue to get better and better and better as this season progresses. But to call him a gamer, a lot of times that has a negative connotation because a gamer is a guy that typically, the way we assumed it and as a player, means that Looks like crap in practice, but then all of a sudden the lights come on and the guy can play pretty he, well. He find, you met near and you're not quite sure how sometimes, right. too, right? But playing quarterback in the National Football League, you, you can't be just a gamer. Uh, you've got to be a guy that puts in the work, that puts in the preparation, and that goes through all of the week with success to be able to have success on Sundays. So, And, and I'm not criticizing that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying sometimes – it can have a negative connotation. Now, I hope that Trevor is a, I would put it more of, I want him to be a big-time player, which means he raises his level of play in big moments. And I hope that that's the case, you know, and as the moments get bigger for this franchise and for this team, I hope that he's one that elevates his level of play, making those around him even better. Right, and I just have a little bit of an issue with just the vernacular being used there. Like, it's not like Trevor's going, eh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be okay for the first half of the year. I'm going to save this, right? You don't save good performances. You can have good performances in week one and two. and three. So he needs to get to that point in his career where he's right. coming out of the gates firing in September because 
those couple of losses in September can be the difference between going to Kansas City in the championship game or hosting them here, you know, this year. And so the idea that he's, quote, saving anything, I, I don't think that's the case. Now, maybe he rounds into form as the season goes on and he gets better, but I don't think it's like a conscious effort to, hey, wait till you see the second half of the season, right? I mean, like, I get what you're saying. You do at times need to say, all right, this is the biggest moment. I've got to make the play. It's on me to to elevate my team. And, you know, you, you see some players with the ability to take over and, and have that higher level in those moments. And, well, and, and that's and, what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that um, that I hope is in play, for the longest time when, when I was a player, I never really understood the part about trying to, to hit your stride in December. You know, and that's one thing that I think Doug Peterson does a fantastic job of is that he's not short-sighted and he doesn't just live in the moment. He has his eyes down the road always. And that's been impressive to me. And I've learned a lot watching Doug Peterson, how he goes about his business and how he handles his messaging to his team. Because I think it's critically important because if you're messaging the team, look, we haven't done anything yet. Okay, we still have a ways to go. We still have things to work on. We're still trying to to find a better rhythm. I mean, all of these things that he is saying is implying, guys, we can get better and we need to get better because he's right. I mean, the teams that hit December and go into January that are playing well are the ones that are going to have the best opportunity at playing well. It's not about the teams that come out of the gate and start out nine and one or ten and one, and then kind of falter a little bit and go into the playoffs not hot. And so that I appreciate from Doug in a big way because he's really the first coach that's been here that has really preached about being in the moment, but also eyes down the road at getting better so that we can get hot and be good as we all go into the playoffs where we need to be good. All right, uh, thank you for the calls, and keep them coming. We'll get right back to you on the other side here at 641-1010 on the Oprah Roofing phone lines. Also check in on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, the YouTube chat, and elsewhere. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and Dylan Denmark on a Check the Tape Tuesday. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, if you missed it earlier, once again, congratulations to uh, former Jaguars Fred Taylor and Torrey Holt. Yes, he's a former Jag. Not best known as a former Jag, but uh, still a former Jag nonetheless. Uh, They're both part of the list of 25 modern-day semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are a lot of stages to this. 15 finalists, then they cut it down to 10, then they cut it down to 5. And even when they cut it down to 5 now, those 5 have to get 80% of the vote. Um I think by the time you get to the final five, there's so many guys, such a logjam of guys to get in. I don't anticipate ever seeing less than the five that they're able to put in. They just had too many guys to get in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? It'll, it'll never be less than the five, especially, I mean, not anytime soon anyway. Right. I mean, and I don't think, I think the every year the candidate list gets deeper and deeper and there's always a backlog and then you go, oh, you know, you got these guys who are so close to getting in, then the next year, oh, Peyton Manning's eligible, or oh, Tom Brady's eligible. You know, it's like, oh, there goes one or two or however many spots. So, anyway, uh, congrats to those guys, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll at least be able to take it a step 
further in this process. 641-1010, if you want to get in on the process of a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman, that's the easiest way to do it on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Sean on the south side is up next. Good morning, Sean. Hey, good morning, fellas. Um, Jeff, I got a quick question for you. Um, What's your thought on Monterey Brown since Tyson Campbell been out and his overall play? Because um, I, I know Tyson got an injury, so I wouldn't put it too much on his play ability, but it seemed like Monterey been doing a solid job since he's been in the just want to know your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I, th- I thought I think he's done pretty good. Um, you can definitely tell that uh, the opponents are wanting to test him, which uh, which is exactly the thing to do. Uh, and he's held up pretty good uh, so far, and uh, I think he's doing a, a very solid job right now. And hopefully, he <laughs> he's going to get tested more as you get down the stretch here. But most importantly. He's playing well enough to where you're definitely going to take your time with Tyson Campbell this, at this point. Not rush him. Because I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that they rushed before. I think they felt very good about bringing Tyson Campbell back when they did. Maybe an abundance of caution, though, this time. I, yeah, I think this time it's like when he feels good, you say, okay, let's tack another two weeks of feeling good onto that. Yeah. You know, um, just to make sure. Darius Williams got turned around on that would-be uh, play, play to Tank Dell that got overturned because of the illegal formation. Right. Uh, but overall, what did you see from Darius this week? I thought he did a good job. He, look, he's having, overall this year, one of the best years of a corner in the league. Um, he's incredibly, incredibly strong as far as he's always contesting balls this year. He's increased his physical element this year. You know, and, and even though Trent Williams called him out for turning and running a little bit, I mean, look, that's uh, that's a business decision. And he actually did the right thing there to, to slow the whole, uh, I think, herd down a little bit to allow some of his teammates to get there in that situation. But, I mean, he's having a marvelous year. This is a Pro Bowl caliber year that he's having. I think there are some guys on defense that you could say that it's Pro Bowl caliber. He's one of them. I think Cisco, if he ends up getting another one or two picks, has been really good. Foyer, definitely a Pro Bowl guy. Josh Allen is playing at a Pro Bowl level. So it, it's good to have guys that are legit Pro Bowl performance caliber players this year on that side of the ball. And 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 one guy that we haven't talked a ton about, a little bit about, Devin Lloyd's been really solid. I mean, really solid to outstanding at times. And that's I think that's the biggest reason why we've seen the uptick in Foyer's performance this year. It's because now Foyer is like, I'm doing, doing his own I'm, thing. I'm doing right? my thing. Yeah. I'm being the leader, and I'm not being the babysitter, you know, which he was a little bit last year. And that's made the biggest difference in his performance, and he's been unbelievable. Love it. All right, uh, back to the lines we go, and they're uh, busy today, and I think that uh, winning brings them out. Uh, let's go to Tony in Gainesville. Tony, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead. Right, thank you all for having me this morning. Um, my question is uh, for Logs. Let me ask you something. I was listening to – Jaguars happy hour last night, and Baselli them brought up a real good point about something. They was like, maybe ETN isn't as healthy as we think about. This is his second chest injury. Do you think that we could possibly give him a week to get healthy and, you know, kind of like get through this Monday night game with the backs we have? And lastly, why don't we run more like that double tight end set, kind of like how the Patriots did back in the day when they had Hernandez and Gronk? And I'll take my questions off the line. Well, I think it's a 
it's a great topic to discuss about Etienne. Is he healthy or is he not? As far as I know, he's healthy. Um, there hasn't been any indication to me that he that he maybe is not. They did say he had he had a chest injury during the game, but he did also have twenty carries in right. the game, and which was uh, tied for the second most this year. Yeah, so I I, I don't know. I mean, look is. Uh, the only time that you rest a player is that if you feel like his performance isn't where it needs to be because of an injury. And I don't see that with, with ETN right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, did, did it maybe hamper him uh, on a play or two in that ball game? Maybe. But, I mean, it's not something that when you're watching the film you go, gosh, you, know, you can tell he's really not himself because he's, you know, he's favoring this. I don't see that with him. Uh, but I think it's a, a – it's, I know it's, I know what the point of the whole conversation is. Is okay, can you can you rest him and can you get better on the other side of it by having him rested? And uh, I don't know if that's the case or not, but uh, there's only one person that can answer that, and that's Etn. Yeah, uh, we will see as uh, time goes on. But Dearness Johnson has uh, come He's in and played great. well. He's doing great. And, yep. and look, uh, I think Bigsby is a good football player too. And, uh, but right now you've got to, you know, because here's the reality when Dearness Johnson's on the field, we all think what good player. Yeah. Oh, going to give him solid effort. When Bigsby's on the field, what's the first thought comes to your mind? Don't turn it over. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the exact mindset of the coaching staff right now. And, uh, and they're trying to work them back and trying to gain confidence in them. And look, I understand that a lot of the stuff that he, that happened to him wasn't his fault, uh, but that that mindset is still there, and uh, endurance is doing a really good job. So let's just keep rolling with him. No doubt. All right, uh, if you want to get in with Jeff Logman on a check the tape Tuesday six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines, we'll check in on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures and see what kind of questions we're getting on social media for Jeff as well. When we continue on a check the tape Tuesday, you're listening to Jaguars today on ten ten XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman, Tuesday, is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electric on 1010XL. All right, we continue a Check the Tape Tuesday, and get them in today, right, because tomorrow the focus is on the J-Fund. It's the 16th annual J-Fund Radiothon here on 1010XL. The goal tomorrow is to raise... A fifth of a million dollars, two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the Tom Coughlin J Fund. Yeah. Uh, when you say it that way, it's a lot of money, man. A lot of money. Uh, I, I forget what we did the first year. Might have been twenty five thousand or something like that. And we're like, wow, that's amazing, and it is. Don't get me wrong, it is amazing. But uh, we're constantly amazed every year by the generosity of our listening audience and how much they're willing to give back to their own community and uh, support uh, folks but you know there but for the grace of god could be you right that you get that diagnosis of childhood cancer so uh, we'll be talking a lot about that tomorrow and uh, we'll have some very special guests on with us throughout the day so i've uh, i've already made my contribution for the year to the tom coughlin j fund absolutely i i'm proud uh, to support it i uh you know i did a thing uh, this year called pros with joes right mm-hmm. people in the fantasy industry i use the air quotes because I don't consider myself like a fantasy analyst. I'm just a radio host who's on the fantasy channel, but whatever. And so I put it out there, and people could bid on you to play as your co-manager for the year. Okay. And everything they bid 
goes to the J fund for my, you know, uh, side. And so even if, like if you didn't bid enough, that money still goes to the J fund. You know, all those so people made bids and the, the guy who had the high. I, actually, I think what it was was every dollar you bid was like a ticket in the raffle and one guy got pulled. So I have no idea what he bid. But, you know, absolutely. We always try to raise mm-hmm. money for them year round. It's a great cause. And uh, Tom Coughlin's ultimate legacy. Uh, so there you go. That's coming up tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, let's go out to Sean on the west side who's got a question or a comment Jaguar related. What's up, Sean? Hey, guys. Man, I called last Tuesday. I actually, this is one of my favorite radio shows of the week. And I'm driving back from Virginia. Hit it back, man. Thought about the win again. And Jeff, you're like my favorite dude on the radio show, man. Dang, did you, did you go to Virginia deer Jeff. hunting, by by the way? Oh, uh, didn't get a chance, man. It was a little nippy. It was like 20 degrees. <laughs> um, but my question for you, Jeff, is uh, going forward with the offensive line. I, I know I heard a few callers back. Um, what does Luke Fortner need to do to actually – I know it's probably going to be an offseason thing. Does he need to be coached better by um, our co- uh, offensive line coach to where he can get better boost? Because there's a lot of, like – Times when we run the ball, it's always like, you know, uh, uh, not through the middle. And if we do go through the middle, it doesn't gain that many yards. Our short yardage definitely needs to improve by the time we get to playoffs. And I'll take your questions off the air. And I love I, you guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, look, uh, I think Phil Rauscher, which is the Jaguars' offensive line coach, I think he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the business. And uh, I think it's a little more difficult sometimes to play offensive line in a system when, when I say hard to play hard to play if, if if you're expecting them to get physical because they're in a two-point stance I mean so that's hard to do it's hard to be physical from a two-point stance I mean you know we could put on our sumo outfits in here and, and get with it and kind of put a display on of how hard it would be to defend a guy one in a three-point and the other one's in a two-point it's just it's just hard to do uh, but I think Fortner can get better you know, and I, I believe this. I think he's a very smart, he's very aware, he does a great job with all the calls, and he's very clear on all of that. And in the preseason, I thought that that was one of the most impressive things that he showed was that he showed the strength that he worked on tirelessly in the off season. And I think he's gotten into a little bit of a habit where he's doing some positioning blocking and, and got to get his pads lower, which that can all be coached. It's not like it's like, Oh well, let's just throw your hands up and say he can't do it because I think he can. Uh yeah, look, um Doug Peterson has praised him yeah, this year and great job at times, but I just want, you know, you'd like to see him be a little bit with, with the pad level, be a little bit more physical. Well, look, the, the entire offensive line it, it needs to be more physical in my opinion. Yes. I mean, you you're just not getting that that push as we talked about in short yardage consistently. So can it happen? I'm kind of surprised that they still, you know, even like a third and a foot, that they are in two points. You know what I mean? I mean, right. it's, just, it's just well, I mean that and it doesn't make logical sense. Trevor's in the pistol or the shotgun or whatever he's in half the time on on short yardage. And it's like I just, I mean, like you can run your stuff from under center. You can still throw the ball from under center, but you almost take the risk of the. You know, the certainly the quarterback sneak is off the table uh, for the defense. So they, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like if you had the ability to impose your will a little bit more with the offensive line, we'd see them on those short yards. And let me let me just give a little bit of a, some praise here for Fortner because you know 
look, I don't think he's a terrible player. I mean, I think he's a good player, and I think that he can be better. And the one thing that I think we sometimes take for granted, but let's go back to the Tennessee game, and I'm sure that many Tennessee Titan fans and Tennessee uh, members of the football team were talking about this after the game against the Jaguars. We take for granted the snap a lot of times. And have we seen an errant snap by Fortner all year long with the yeah. amount of shotgun snaps, et cetera, that he get, that he has? Not that I can recall. No, I mean, it's been it's been really good. So from, from that aspect, uh, he deserves some praise. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's hit the pause button and take a look at what's happening outside of Duval around the rest of the National Football League. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Houston has claimed defensive end Derek Barnett off of waivers. Barnett was waived by the Philadelphia Eagles over the weekend. Cincinnati wide receiver T. Higgins reportedly does have a chance to play on Monday Night Football next week here in Jacksonville. After missing the last three weeks with a hamstring injury, the Miami Dolphins are expected to sign pass rusher Jason Pierre-Paul off of the New Orleans Saints practice squad. The Las Vegas Raiders have cut cornerback Marcus Peters and safety Roderick Teamer, who was arrested this weekend on a DUI charge. Cleveland head coach Kevin Stefanski said on Monday that defensive end Miles Garrett is day-to-day and soars. He works out through or tries to work through a left shoulder injury. Wide receiver Amari Cooper had an x-ray for a rib injury he suffered on Sunday. That came back negative. The Philadelphia Eagles are calling right tackle Lane Johnson, who was inactive on Sunday, day-to-day after an MRI for a groin injury. And Tampa Bay quarterback Baker Mayfield had an MRI after an ankle injury that forced him out of the game for a short time, but it came back negative. So it looks like he's going to at least have a chance to continue playing there for the Bucks. In all honesty, if I could choose, Tony, uh, for one Bengal to miss the game next Monday – uh, who's currently banged up? I think I choose Logan Wilson over T. Higgins, right? Like I, I'm not fearing Jake Browning's ability to exploit right T. Higgins against the Jags secondary. Um, Logan and Wilson, good football. He player. is a good football player. He'll hip drop tackle the hell out of you too. Now, <laughs> I mean, he he put Mark Andrews out for the year. He also uh, put Lamar Jackson in the blue tent for a brief period in that same game, and he has been uh, one of the main. When did that term start? I, I, mean, I don't know because it's been. I mean, last few years I've, I remember hearing it has been around for years. I remember uh, we broke um, Randall Cunningham's leg in New York one time, and Marvin Washington used a similar technique to to tackle him. We had a bounty on him too in that game. I think <laughs> it was like about two grand. So two grand for what? What would uh, take quarterback out of the game? I mean, so for how long? Legally, one play, of course. No, no, no. For the had, had to knock. Yeah, him out for the for entirety the... of the game. Okay, and we took him out, and uh, I want to say I'm trying to. Bubby Brister came in and lit us up. <laughs> maybe we should have kept Randall maybe, in the game. Maybe you should have. You sometimes. Uh... <laughs> Got to be. That was karma, I guess. You know, for having the bounty on Randall. And by the way, I'm not. Uh, I don't know if Logan Wilson will play or not. He, he did pick up a sprained ankle against mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. He left the game. It was pretty late. He didn't come back. Uh, and they described him as day to day. But plenty of guys who've been described as day to day sometimes turn out to be week to week. So, uh, and he has. He is having a good year. He's really good in coverage as well. Uh, Logan Wilson is. So, hey, look. Uh, whatever. I'm not saying that. They're not going to beat the Bengals if Logan Wilson plays. I'm just saying, I think he's more impactful uh, this week, potentially. Uh, all right, Logs, let's look at a couple coming in here on uh, 
the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures is is interesting. Uh, you watched the CBS broadcast yes. this week, right? We don't usually get to hear any of that. Uh, someone said, hey, with that, we know you don't always hear it, but you felt Tiki Barber took an unfair shot at Ingram after a drop. He was quick to say he had the same problem with the Giants. Didn't bother to mention how improved he has become. Uh, did did that stand out to you at all? And did that sound like, uh, you know, just kind of matter of fact or sour grapes or what? What? No, I mean, it's I think that's typical of of a broadcaster that doesn't do his homework. You know, that uh, that that was from two years ago. Right. You know, and uh, instead of saying, hey, look, you know, that's he's got something better. that he really got out of his game from the time that I spent with him or saw him when he was in New York. And mm-hmm. since he's been in Jacksonville, he's rarely had these. It's probably a better way to put it. But I'm, my guess is Tiki hasn't watched the Jaguars probably at all. You know, and, and I'm he's a Virginia guy, okay? So, you know, I'd like to uh, give him a little benefit of the doubt, but uh, he really hadn't earned it. It's not, I'll say this, though, in terms of national uh, broadcasts and praise, and I try not to get – hung up on it, but it matters to a certain segment of the mm-hmm. fan base. I watched NFL Live uh, yesterday. I just flipped it on, and they had the Jag logo up, so I'll, let's hear what they're saying. I mean, they were just raving about the Jag. So there yeah. there was none of this, this you know, oh, well, C.J. Stroud, this. CJ. It was like, man, do you realize how good the Jag skill position yeah. players are? Man, do you realize what they're doing right now? And this and that. And they're just, Orlovsky let it off saying Stroud played really well again on Sunday, yes. and then they went into all the reasons to be impressed with the Jags yeah. and why they're a legit contender in the AFC. Right. I mean, like a, like he was saying, hey, don't sleep on them for the number one seed. It was, you know, I mean, they're they're getting their Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to get it. It, it. All that will come. And you know, a lot of times, and I'm not probably the one – to be commentating on other commentators because a lot of times if if I'm watching a game, I don't really listen a lot of times, especially that sure, game. Sure, why be- would you? Because I'm I'm focused more on the play and then I've got my own notes and, you know, I'm looking at stuff like off of my sheet stuff. And so I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to what they say. Now, if it's a game that's different. So, for example, let's say I'm casually watching a Thursday night game, then I'll, I'll listen to some of the, the broadcasters. Um, I think that uh, uh, the, the guy, the color analyst that does Thursday night without Michael. Herb Street. Kirk, Kirk, I think Kirk, Kirk does Herb a very Street, good yeah. job. I'm a huge fan, and I used to not be, of uh, Chris Collinsworth. Um, when he first started, I was like, eh. But he, he has gotten so good. I've always liked Collinsworth. I, lo- I love listening to him because I think he's got a really – a great way of presenting great information, and he uh, and he comes across in a, in a very positive way. I'm, I'm so I'm like his big fan. Troy, of course, I'm a big fan of him too. All right, uh, one more quick one here from the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Do you think Trevor Lawrence doesn't get, I'll say, as much respect? I'm trying to, you know, paraphrase this question a little bit. Do you think he doesn't get as much respect maybe as he's due because he wasn't immediately great? Uh, it seems people have already formed their opinion on him nationally based on his slow start. Like his rookie season wasn't, you know, statistically impressive. For well, I, I look. I think that all all of the attention, et cetera, will come with success. The reality is, is that this team really hasn't done anything yet. You know, you go back to Trevor's first year, and and it was a throwaway year with the whole Urban situation, and then last year. 
okay, now you've got some positivity, but it was the second half of the season. And so I think a lot of people in the national media will be a little bit hesitant to jump on the bandwagon of a team that has historically struggled Mm -hmm. for a number of years. And uh, there's been a lot of flash-in-the-pan performances by quarterbacks. So a lot of times they're a little bit hesitant, a little slow to jump on board of saying, hey, this is a contender, this is really a good football team. And that's okay. Because the reality is is that, okay, if you do something, then the attention and the credit and all the positive thoughts and sayings and everything, that will all come. But the reality is, as of right now, this team hasn't done anything. They're, they're trending in the right direction, but they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Uh, look, if you want national praise Win. of the Jags. Well, Win big. Well, you don't have to wait. Just go follow Brian Baldinger on Twitter. Man, he, he, he does a great job. He do, And he, he – Loves him some Trevor Lawrence, like he's like he because he'll he'll talk you know. Baldy like, does his homework. He doesn't go just on the stats. He's like breaking down the the next level throws and what he's seeing and and why this was you know the right adjustment to make and all these things. And uh, generally, you're gonna like what you see from Brian Baldinger when it comes to breaking down out of the Jags. Out of all of the guys that do that do film, he's the best. There I mean, you go. Uh, he, Greg Cosell he is the best. What about Greg Cosell? He's good, he's pretty good. But Baldy, I think, is the best. All right, uh, fair enough. If you're on the line to get in with Jeff, stay right there, and we'll get to you coming up here in just a moment. One final segment to go. You're listening to a Check the Tape Tuesday on Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lockerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. On the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosure, somebody asking, will we get to see the Mannings commenting on the Jags Monday night? No, because we'll all be at the game, right? I mean, we'll be watching the Mannings. Come on. Uh, but I do think the Manning cast is taking place I believe place this next week, week there is a Manning cast. Yes. Yeah, so uh, stream it on your phone as you're watching from inside Everbank Can you Stadium. DVR that or what do you, what do you call that? I'm sure you can. Yeah. Record it. Yeah. Sure you can. Yeah. If you want to. You know, I I don't know. I don't like I don't watch the Manning cast. I just want to watch a game um myself. But whatever. Do eat I your do. own. I love the Manning cast. I know you do. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't have less interest in watching the Manning cast. I get it. Cast. Yeah. Um apparently You won't be watching them this week. Apparently Mark no. Wahlberg no, couldn't I'll have less interest in it either. Yeah. From what, do you what I've heard. <laughs> Mark was uh not enthused when he was on there that that last broadcast. He was one of the guests. He was a guest. And yeah. What do you mean, not enthused? He just, just like, had no energy. Apparently, apparently, yeah. apparently, he was like, "Man, you guys have a lot of questions." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of you're the what guest. Do. Yeah, yeah, that's why we asked you to come on, right? Yeah. So, um, I guess he was promoting something, but all right, you know, whatever. I mean, I like I said, I I heard about it after the fact. All right, oh, let's get to Rick in Pensacola, who's got a question for you. Then we'll do today's ten ten take. On the offensive line, Rick, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning from the birthplace of naval aviation. All right. Um, hey, uh, real quick comment and then a question. You know, the just the quality of the announcers just seems to be going downhill. I don't know how many times I've heard these network guys mispronounce our players' names. Uh, Tiki not knowing the stats. That's that's just unprofessional, in my opinion. They have a week to prepare for a game and they can't pronounce a guy's name. But that, that's enough. Um, so I'm headed to Vegas, uh, objective opinion. I think we can get to the NFC or to the AFC playoff game, but I, I don't know that we can beat a chiefs team or even a Ravens team if they make it. Cause we don't run the ball. 
I'm going to lay 100 on whatever you guys say. So tell me, what, what do you think our cap is this year? And I'm not going to hold you responsible. Super Bowl championship. That's the cap. Yeah. I, I, mean, think, I think we can win and beat anybody. Yeah, I do too. I, that doesn't mean they will right. necessarily, but I don't think that that the Chiefs are unbeatable by this football team. My goodness. I mean, yeah. the, the Broncos beat them. They're, Prior they're, to the season, I, I was sitting there going, you know, the AFC is definitely the, the powerhouse. And right now, I, I would say the NFC right now. Kind of has a little bit of a hand up. They're so top-heavy, though. I mean, right now, you've got an under 500 bucks team leading their division. You've got a 500 Minnesota team that would be in the playoffs if the playoffs started today. They're, they're, there's some, you know, you get past yeah, the division whole, leaders. But I'm, I'm just talking about, like, the, the elite. If you look yeah. at just the elite top Phil, teams, Philly, San, San Fran, San Dallas, Pretty and good. Detroit yeah. are, Pretty, there, are really strong. But I think you can counter with – you know, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Baltimore, and maybe Miami in there. Yeah. You know, I don't think Cleveland because they don't have the quarterback play, but uh, they've got the defense. Oh, but they got a great defense. They do. Yeah, but uh, you got to have quarterback. Yeah. Uh, to to go as deep as you want. Yeah. You got to have the quarterback. So yeah, uh, if you're gonna ask me, I'm not gonna tell you to put a hundred bucks on anything, but the Jags winning the Super Bowl. Hey, by the way, the uh, coming out of the out of the break there, there was played the the Doug Peterson clip, and he was giving credit to the defensive line for, you know, finishing and staying after the quarterback and C.J. Stroud and everything, I, I kind of look at it a little bit differently. I mean, you talk about a great job in the game by the defensive backs of doing what I call scramble rules plaster coverage because the defensive line can't stay after a quarterback if he has options to throw the, the ball down the field. And the defensive backfield – did a, a an outstanding job of when the pl- the play broke down and now all of a sudden it becomes playground football. Uh, they did a great job of and it's called plaster technique. You grab a guy in your zone and now you just stay with him. The defensive backfield did a marvelous job in this game, and the defensive line can't get home unless they have that outstanding long coverage in the back end. So kudos to the the defensive backs of the Jaguars in this past game. Yep, and uh, once again, we got to acknowledge uh, Josh Allen. Congrats, moving past Unique Ngakwe for and second on career the career uh, season high. List. Twelve sacks. Yep. I mean, and he's still got plenty of games to go. Run down Calais. Year, yeah. Or, you know, he's got T. Brack is the next guy up on the list on the overall right. Overall he's, 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 he's not going to get him this year, but he can get uh, he can get Calais a single season mark for six to go. No problem there. I say no problem. I mean, if he continues at this pace. What did Clay's have that year, 17? 14 and a half, I Okay, say. so he's got to get three more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to today's 10-10 take. 10-10. 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by JNM Roofing Jacksonville, your storm restoration specialists. All right, uh, let's uh, turn it around and give it to Jeff Logman to take the 10-10 take today. We got a question yesterday. I'll modify it a little bit. Asking you to project a little bit here. Mm-hmm. When they're all healthy, presuming they're all healthy, we're in the postseason now, and right. I, and I'm not talking about who's in rhythm because Cam Robinson's going to miss some time here on IR. But presuming they're all healthy, maybe even if you had a game to get them all back on for Week 17 if necessary, what do you think will be the best combination on the left side? Will it be Cam and Walker Little? Will it be Walker Little and Ezra Cleveland, or will it be Cam? and Ezra Cleveland, and put Walker Little on the bench? What do you think would be the ideal starting pair? That's a great question. Um, I've, I've got a couple different answers, okay. but, I, but I'm going to give you the common thread. 
and that Ezra Cleveland's the best left guard. Okay. I mean, I just after one game of watching him and how physical he was, the way he got down the field on that screen play to Dernis Johnson, uh, he's clearly the best left guard on this football team. I think Cam and Walker Little are both about equal. Um, I think they're, they're just different players. Does Cam give you a little something extra because of the edge and attitude he plays with? Yes. I think that's that's the one thing that I think Cam separates himself from a lot of other guys above and beyond just the performance part is the leadership, the energy, the the dog that he has in him because right. when I say dog in a, in a positive way, right? I thought you wanted you want dogs in football, right? That's right. Guys, guys at junkyard dogs. There's two kinds of dogs tenacious. in football. There is two kinds. Right, you can though. be a dog who just can't play, <laughs> right, right? Dog right. with fleas. But um, no, the, the question to us yesterday was it Cam Little or Little and Ezra, and we didn't have the hybrid option that I gave you, and and our answer was a combination that includes Cam on there because of the attitude and the edge that he brings but and that may be you know like hey look it, it's a good problem to have if you get three good players for two spots when you get him healthy uh so let's hope that that happens I mean if if I had if I had to to pick first of all again Ezra's my left guard but Cam gives you something that I think Walker can't but here here's the one thing I think that Cam excels in a little bit more than than Cam is that Walker Little, if you're in crunch time and you need to protect the quarterback and you're doing straight dropbacks and you're playing catch-up, I believe Walker Little is just consistently a little bit better with his feet and pass protection than Cam. But if the game is in, in uh, the score is equal and it's, you know, you're running, you're passing, then that, that's when Cam is at his best. He can be physical, he can run, he can be a leader. Uh, but that's not Cam's strong suit is just sitting there, you know, pass setting for mm-hmm. 20 consecutive times because you're down by two possessions. But that's the only category that I would say that Walker may be a little bit better than Cam in. And let me, it's a silly question, right? Because it never happens. Um, and I understand everyone talks about continuity, right? If you've got a guy who you feel like if it's going to be a pass-heavy attack, he's our better option. Versus a more balanced attack, he's our better option. Why is it so sacrosanct that you can't, like, one day you might start one running back and the next week you might start another one, right? And it never happens on the offensive line. Why couldn't you say, hey, we think it's going to be a more pass-heavy approach for us. Let's play Walker Little as opposed to we're going to be more balanced today. Let's play Cam Robinson. Uh, it becomes a little bit of a tell, you know, I guess, in, in, in right? some cases. But, um, you know, I, I – I would think after your 20th drop back, that's a tell, too. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Yeah, with offensive line, it's, it's, it's hard It's hard to build continuity and to play well together when you if you all of a sudden are, are inserting guys in and out of the lineup. And I think in certain positions you can do that, but offensive line, that's very difficult to do that. And to have the, the week-to-week where, where you're building the camaraderie, the understood part of the game. Sure, yet, I mean, here, here Cam goes out. Ezra Cleveland, get on in there, and he uh, plays fine, right? I mean, so I, I don't know. I think sometimes that's but I, Well, Ezra, I up. thought, played really well in this game. I thought Walker Little played just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, not, a, not a great game, a good game, because it's hard, and a lot of people think it's easy. Well, left guard, you know, he moves the left tackle, no big deal. Well, I mean, look, it's a different position. The angles are completely different. The sets are completely different. 
And so it's hard to go from one position to the other. So I give Walker credit from, from making the move in this game to go from one to the other and still play well. But again, it wasn't his best performance just because he had a couple snafus. And then mm-hmm. also, if you can get into a groove of getting used to what you're doing, it's always better to have that prep during the week leading up to the game. All right, Logs, our time is done. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Hi, Mia O'Brien is here. Hello, Mia. Howdy, hey. How we doing, boys? Uh, we're good. Uh, check the tape Tuesday. Uh, everybody's mostly happy about where things stand with the Jags. So what will you all be getting into today? Absolutely. Well, of course, we have the Tom Coughlin J Fun Radiothon tomorrow, which, of course, we are so, so excited for. So that means a little bit of a programming shift we have our top fives in the nfl and the college football ranks our personal power ranks who are your top five teams right now doesn't matter who was top five a few weeks ago what the ap poll says what college football playoff poll says who are your top five teams uh i do think the florida state fan base will have something to say about where each of the five of us put our Beloved Knowles. Maybe Mike Dempsey has something to say as well. I, I had them one through five, so I don't really care where y'all have them. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't. as far as I know, none of y'all are college football playoff uh, deciders. So, um, hey, look, this way I look at it as a Seminole fan. I, I can't win, get, win I, and you're in. I, or, or not, it, I can't control it. If Seminoles go 13-0 and they leave them out, I'm claiming the championship just like UCF did, you know? We go undefeated. We're champs. That's Banners far, fly forever. That's as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, I just uh, you know, it's out of my hands. Now, who does so. Florida, Florida State play Louisville. this week? Louisville. Louisville that, that's the ACC, ACC championship, yep. right? Yep. So, so all the conference be, title games are this that. week, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Correct. All right. Which yeah. logs? Uh, because we have a Monday night game, kind of get to enjoy it a little bit. I'm kind of I'm, Mike. I'm sure you and Tony are feeling the same way. I mean, we actually kind of get to they play on Saturday anyway. So I, I, well, no, 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 no. But I mean, like I'll so- actually. Well, I usually don't watch college football, but I'll actually watch the conference title games this week. So I'll, no. watch, I'll watch Florida State. That's about the extent. <laughs> You're not going to watch Alabama Georgia. Eh, I might check. I mean, not that big a deal to me. Yeah, I like watching. I like watching that game just because of all the prospects, and so you. you I mean, I, if you're watching, you if you want to watch an NFL quality game, game, game seven that's, o'clock. That's the one. Yeah, seven. Yeah. I'll be on the air during that game. Anyway, like so, that. You know. I'm more so meant. You know, Sunday we can all just kind of relax oh, a little bit, sure, decompress, Sunday. so you can enjoy Saturday, relax Sunday, and then gear up um, for what's going to be an absolutely loaded Monday. I, I did see a couple of our, our friends on the text liner trying to. Stump, stump for you guys to also be on location. On uh, no thanks. Uh, oh, God, there you go. So I didn't even have to yeah. say that I'm going to no, try to no push for it. No interest in uh, being out there at 10 in the morning uh, when I got to get my nap in. And I gotta, I'm gonna, <laughs> just going to have to drive back here and nap on that couch anyway because I, I, I'm, we're working till the wee hours. Uh, yeah. I don't know about the rest of them. Oh, I'm a believer me. in the naps. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in yeah. naps. All right, Mia, have a good show. Thank you. All right, Logs, uh, where will we catch you rest of the week? Uh, we got uh, Jaguars happy hour Thursday, Jaguars all access Thursday night, Doug Peterson show Thursday. So a lot of stuff on Thursday, outdoor show Saturday, and then, uh, not until Monday. See you Monday. Yeah. yeah. See you Monday. All Looking right. forward to that. Sounds good. And we'll do a hopefully victory Tuesday, uh, That'd be great. again next week. All right. Logs uh, for Jeff Logman, Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I am Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars today. XL primetime is next. Don't forget Tom Coughlin, J-Fund Radiothon, year number 16, coming up tomorrow. So dig deep and be generous if you possibly can. Keep it right here on 1010XL.